Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a Mar Recovery Resources production from Mar Addiction Treatment Center. I'm Matt Shedd. Christopher had everything an outstanding career, a loving wife, two beautiful daughters, a nice house, but he wanted to die, and he couldn't understand why. I'd wake up in the morning and I would be in such heavy withdrawal that I'd literally kind of crawl over to the shower let the water hit me, you know, and then, and then get out, just feel like I've been hit by a train, and then start using again. He was intervened on by his partners at his medical practice and went to treatment, two times, in fact. After the second treatment, he stayed sober for about 17 years. But he explains how he was starting his relapse long before he actually picked up a drug. And after another intervention, he ended up in treatment a third time. This last time was at Mar. Through the loving confrontation of his counselors and the support of his community, Christopher began the process of humbling himself and being honest about what was really going on with him. He learned to stop looking for validation from external things, and he began to take joy in his recovery and in helping others. I really enjoyed speaking with Christopher, and if you listen to him talk like me, I think you might just feel some of the joy and the contentment that he puts out in the world. So here he is, Christopher. So in, in high school, I would kind of binge drink on weekends. I was an athlete in high school and during the week and stuff, I, I didn't really, you know, mostly it was sports and, and uh, academics. And, but I used to drink a fair amount on the weekends. And then when I got into college, I didn't really, didn't really drink or drug or anything like that much in college. I mean, used to drink on weekends every once in a while, but certainly not to the degree I did in high school. And then when I went to, I w- went to medical school at Indiana University in Bloomington, um, and I, I just immersed myself in school. That became my addiction. So mm-hmm. in school, I, that's all I did. I, I, in fact, I don't ever remember even taking a drink when I was in medical school. Um, then I, Went to uh, the University of Virginia for my medicine, and again, really didn't do much of anything out there. Hardly ever drank, or in fact, I don't even remember drinking out there. And then um, I met my wife out there. We got married, moved to Seattle, and that's where I did my pulmonary critical care fellowship, pulmonary critical care sleep. I just didn't have the opportunity to drink from the standpoint that I was more focused on work. It was a brutal thing. I mean, we were on call every night and it was, it was really four years of hell essentially. And then uh, um, from there we moved and we eventually moved to Dallas. And when I came down here with my wife, we, um, there were a lot of things that kind of came together. My, the, the, the stress was mounting. Let me just put it that way. And I had a root canal. And I got put on hydrocodone. And I'll tell you, Matt, that's when I found God. Seriously, it, it, it relieved my anxiety. It relieved all my stress. I could do, I could work 20 hours a day. And um, I just, you know, it allowed me to just numb myself so, so I could work. I kind of had the opposite, somewhat of an opposite effect, which people do with narcotics sometimes, where instead of feeling sedate or sleepy, I was energized. It, for me, it was like speed. But again, the, the the thing about it is it was also, it relieved my depression, anxiety, 
And it just, you, you know, it just numbs you essentially. So then I really, it just, it just accelerated over about a year and a half. I was what, using, what age was this? How, what, what age? That would, have been, that would have been 96. So I was born in 59. So you probably uh, 30, 35 years old, okay. something like that, 35 years old, 34, 35. So anyways, that went on for about a year and a half. And boy, I got to the point where, you know, I really recognized that it was a huge issue. I started getting really depressed. Um, um, in fact, was having suicidal ideations, try to figure out how to kill myself and make it not look like I killed myself so my wife could get my insurance policy. Um, I also had, uh, you know, I just didn't know there was help out there. Just really didn't know. I had tried to stop a couple of times, several times on my own, could never do it, of course. And, and I would stop for a few days, horrible withdrawal, and then I would just go back to using. Because what I would do is I'd take a few days off of work thinking that everything would be fine afterwards. And I, and I would, I'm not even sure I would, I'm not sure I recognize myself, recognize myself as a drug addict. I mean, I just, it, it was, uh, I don't think I could ever bring myself to call it, call it myself a drug addict. So anyways, what ended up happening is my, my wife at that time had um, figured it out and then approached my partners without me knowing. And my partners, thank God, I was partner, uh, uh, one of my partners had tremendous insight into this disease process because he was part of a physician's health and recovery group at one of the hospitals. So he called, um, he called one of the medical societies here and they set up an intervention. You know, from the outside, you know, people might be really surprised, you know, here's this guy, he's part of a successful practice. He's, you know, he's got, he's competent. He's, he's doing well for himself and he's helping other people and, and all that. Um, can you just, I guess I'm just curious to hear your reflection on that, like the difference between how that might've looked on the outside and how you felt inwardly. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, on the outside, what you'd see is you'd see me with a, I had a, uh, you know, I had a, um, it looked like, you know, I had a great marriage. I had a, uh, well, by that time I had two beautiful daughters. Um, the, I, I did, I had a successful practice and, and, and I, I, I still, you know, and I know this sounds weird, but but uh, I still was functioning very well in, in in my medical practice. And yes, everything looked great on the outside, but inside, <clears throat> I was inside. I knew the truth, right? I mean, as far as where I was at, <clears throat> it's not that I didn't think I had a good marriage and things like that. It's just. I and I've always felt this way, and I and I realize that now is I've always felt kind of um, never good enough. Let me just put it that way, and 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 that even I mean that compounds things when when I I couldn't stop on my own. I didn't have my own. I, I couldn't stop <clears throat> with my own free will. That that so I felt like a huge failure at that time, and that <clears throat> that played a that played a big role too. The and and I'll tell you what was devastating to me also was when I realized I couldn't stop on my own, mm-hmm. and then I just didn't feel like there was any help, and and so I just I just um, plunged deeper into the depths of depression, 
and and uh, um, I just didn't see any way out. I didn't know there was help out there. In fact, if I even if I knew, I don't know if I would have taken it. I had to be forced. But but I can tell you, the day I got intervened on Matt, that was a huge relief to me. It was like finally, now I'm gonna I'm gonna get help. But yeah, it was the, the and you know partly probably the drugs played a role in feeling really depressed because you get into the cycle of taking it and then withdrawal for a period of time, then taking it again and withdrawal for a period because it didn't take me very long um, if I wasn't using something where I would start to withdraw within, you know, I would wake up in the morning. This was part of the routine too. I'd wake up in the morning and I would be in such heavy withdrawal that I'd literally kind of crawl over to the shower, let the water hit me, you know, and then, and then get out, just feel like I've been hit by a train and then start using again. And then by about noon, I would start to feel normal or semi-normal. And then I'd get through my day, get home late, and then the same routine. And that got to be so disturbing and, and, and just psychologically such a beating. And, and it started, you know, after you do that for, for a couple of months, it really, you start looking for another way out. And it certainly, I couldn't stop on my own. So I got to the point where I thought, you know, maybe... If I end it, that would be, I would end my misery. I was so miserable that, that uh, physically and psychologically that, and I had even got to the point where when I see pictures of myself at that time, they're horrendous. I mean, I had lost a lot of weight. I looked real gaunt. Um, it, 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 it is just horrible, just, just horrible, horrible place to be. It's just so striking to hear because we, I think there's still a lot of misconceptions about addiction that it's only the people, you know, living under the bridge or the people like that's what we think of, you know, as alcoholic. But to to hear it's so striking to hear someone with all the external things that you had in such, um, it, you know, it's such such misery. Um, and I think it, it really drives home the point that this this thing is all around us. You know, it doesn't discriminate in terms of um, right outward signs of success or, or what, what have you. Um, and you're right. And that's a thing, you know, that's too, I certainly had that attitude back then is no, you know, a, a drug addict is someone who lives under a bridge and stuff, right. Uses IV drugs and things like that. <clears throat> and it, 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 I didn't, I, I really truly didn't realize that there were so many people like myself until I finally got into treatment. The, um, the, the other thing too, is I'll tell you, Matt, what I, that, that has always been an issue with me. I'm, I'm very shame based. And so, um, that happened and I went to, um, a place, uh, uh, around here for rehab 90 days and then got out and really just didn't get it, Matt. I, I, I thought that what I needed to do was just stop and I'd be okay. Because, of course, you know, I didn't have this history really in the past in, in my mind. And so all I needed to do was learn how to stop, get through everything, and then get out there. And then uh, what ended up happening is for about, a, for about a year, I did okay. I don't think I could ever say I was in recovery, but I was abstinent. Um, and then about a year later, this was in 97, I had relapsed on opiates. Um very small amount, but I had a positive urine screen. 
And so at that point, I was placed in rehab again, again, a, a place around here, spent 90 days. And when I came out of there, I thought I got it. And, and, and then I spent, I had 17 years of what I think was pretty decent recovery. I was, I had a good program. I was going to a lot of meetings. I was still seeing my addictionologist very frequently, um, um, participating in a caduceus group and going to, um, um, there, there, uh, I was in a monitoring program and, and li- listen to what people told me to do instead of try instead of trying to do everything on my own. So anyways, got through that. And then about, this would have been late 2013. There were, there were things going on. And this is, this is one of the things that I have definitely learned is relapse takes a while. I mean, from the standpoint that my relapse behavior was absolutely there before I ever took another drug or drink. And I was getting up in the morning, again, a lot of stuff going on in, in my life as far as more stress. Then I had a, there were other things going on too, but then I had a kidney stone, followed by another kidney stone, followed by another kidney stone. I had surgery and I got introduced to tramadol at that time. And I didn't realize initially, I didn't realize it was um, addictive or I was in denial. But by that time, Matt, I wasn't going to meetings. I was actually scheduling my addictionologist maybe every three months. Uh, Just all the stuff that you do to get away from your uh, recovery community. No meetings. I I, I wasn't seeing my addictionologist. I wasn't being honest with anyone, which is a huge deal with me, honesty. Um, if I'm not honest, um, it, 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 it leads me right back to, to, to relapse behavior. The, um, so I, I was isolating and, um, even at the time I was having, I was, uh, my kids knew something was going on. They, cause they knew everything about me, but my daughters, they knew something was going on. They just didn't know how to deal with it. And, and so I was kind of staying away from them. The, the woman I was um, uh, uh, with at the time who I had been with since 2006, I had driven her pretty much out of my life. She couldn't take it. She was like, I don't know if you're crazy or I'm crazy or what, but I can't do this anymore. Um, so she she left and I was, um, the, the behavior was, and I didn't necessarily know, uh, recognize it, but the behavior, the behavior had become so predictable. I mean, so crazy that the people that knew me well knew something was going on. So what ended up happening is, is my, uh, one of my really dear friends who is also in recovery and he's a maxillofacial surgeon. They set up a meeting and had me come in and called me on it. And and right after that, because I won't ask for help, Matt. I have to be dragged, kicking and screaming. So after that happened, it kind of, then I got back with my physician, the addictionologist, psychiatrist. And we, at that point, decided that MAR was going to be my best option. So mm-hmm. so we set that all up and I, I got out to MAR. So anyways, then I went to the MAR and I was, um, it was... August 10th, I believe, of 2014. So do you remember the first day at MAR and any specifics about 
your you know kind of first impressions and who who you were meeting and and how all that felt yeah the first day of mar was um of course you're really afraid to go in there and stuff but the when i got the process of being admitted and stuff like that but then and i tell you the 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 people that were in there at the time they were incredibly supportive almost everybody came up to me and and they were glad that I was there and, and they made me very comfortable very quickly. By the end of the day, I felt um, the, most of the anxiety had lifted about coming in there. I was welcomed with open arms. Let me just put it that way. Very loving community. Very loving. Mm. So, yeah, they, they were um, very supportive and loving and the, the, the clients just incredible group we had incredible so you know i had some some um experience with recovery and things like that and when i got to mar i was just very angry with myself i was you know had isolated because i knew it was mostly like how could i possibly let this happen when i have all the tools to be able to 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 get through this so yeah, I mean, I was very angry at myself. Now, I wasn't at that time. I didn't feel like I was suicidal, and I think that one of the saving graces, Matt, was I got and and I and I chalked this up to my recovery community is I got caught very early because my relapse, as far as using the tramadol, that went on for about three months. Now, I'd say probably a few months before that, I was in relapse mode. I just wasn't using any drugs or anything like that. But when I started using that, because that was tramadol, I can tell you if, if given the opportunity, I would have started and I would have found that opportunity. I would have started using more and more opiates and I would have then, it would have really, I mean, I, 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 I really think that if I hadn't been called on it early, it might've led to my death. The, the the addiction so so i listen i'm so grateful that of course i was pissed off at the time and angry at everybody for 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 doing that but yeah i just got caught a lot earlier and mm-hmm. and mar changed my life i was broken i had no um i was uh, just just you know and a lot of people say this i was just spiritually i was broken just it was horrible horrible. And in fact, I, I spent the first couple of weeks at Mar and I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't open up to anything. And it, it, it got to the point where, and I didn't know this at the time, but later when I talked to Matt Irwin, he said that at one point, and even Doug said this, that they didn't know what to do with me, that they were going to, they were going to maybe just let me go. And then Matt, one day in, in one of the sessions, he, we were talking about something and I, I said something and then Matt just looked at me and he said, you know, um, I got nothing for you. I got nothing for you. We got nothing for you and we can't help you. And man, I'll tell you that, that changed things for me because it was, it was to hear that was devastating. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, later I learned more about why he did that, of course, but, uh, but the, the then then after that, for it just awakened something in me, and I really kind of 
started to open up to the groups and things like that. So the, the anxiety goes down, but you're still feeling kind of resistant to, to opening up for a little bit. Sure. And then, and then that moment when Matt Irwin said, I just don't think there's anything we can do to help you. And yeah. I'm curious to hear now your reflection, because that, that was a turning point that you described. What, what do you think was going on for you? And what did that wake up for you in terms of being able to start receiving help in a way that you, you couldn't before? Yeah, I think that, well, I had a lot of discussion with my, um, uh, you know, with the other people that were in therapy at that time, because I, it was, it was just, it, you know, it kind of hit me right between the eyes, Matt, we weren't, he just came out of nowhere. We were discussing something else. So it was like a, it was the two by four between the eyes and then, because, you know, so much therapy goes on in the community and you know that, and, and you don't even know it necessarily at the time, but in reflection, it's like, oh my God, those guys, I probably learned as much from the guys I was in residence with than I did the, the counselors. And, and I did a lot of, I think what happened is I did a lot of talking to the people that I lived with and around me did a lot of reflection. And at that point, you know, what I started to do is in groups and stuff like that, Matt, I just would tell anything that was on my things that I would never discuss. You know, I would sit there and think, I can't tell them this, you know, I just can't tell them this. And and I'll tell you, it was, it was, um, it was at that point, I decided, you know what, I'll just let go of it all. So, so I started talking more. I started to participate more. The, the, uh, it, um, it, it was really all about that. And then when I did my life story, I didn't leave anything out. And, and after, I'll tell you, after I did my life story and I read it in group and stuff like that, that was a huge game changer for me. Mm-hmm. It, it was, uh, cause I just kind of, you know, I just, I, I just let it all out there basically and didn't, uh, but yeah, I think it was, it, it had a lot to do with the, the community is like, you know, cause nobody was, it's not like they were coming up to me, of course, and saying, oh, you know, cause I felt like poor pitiful me, but, but people were very honest and like, you know, that the, you got to start participating and stuff. Cause even my roommates could tell. And, and, but the, um, I think it, that moment was a ga- was really a game changer for me. I didn't know why Matt did that, and I and, and later and I Matt, Matt later and I Matt had several discussions about it, and 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 he made me. I, I mean, by the time we talked about it too, I had a pretty good understanding of why he did it. But and then even Doug later, when I talked to Doug, he you know because I didn't know they had a meeting about me, you know, saying that. They didn't know if they could help me. And, and uh, so I knew none of that. And, and that's why, because even after Matt did that, he said he had to go into Will's office and get therapy from Will. I'm sure it was hard for him in his own way to, to say that. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Because again, Matt, I, I can't tell you the, the, just the, the moment we're talking about, I don't know what the heck we were talking about, but then he looks at me and he says, I got nothing for you. I got nothing for you. None of the other therapists are going to be able to help you. And I don't think we, I don't think, and to hear that, well, I, 
you know, you could just imagine you're sitting there, you're ready, you're ready, pretty broken. And then to tell somebody it's like a death sentence, right? I mean, that's almost what I heard is, is you, you know what, you could go home and die, man. And then it was like, you know what, I'm going to get off my ass and do something here. So do you think what, what they were pointing to was your lack of your willingness or your lack of willingness to show what's really going on with you? Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you know? Did you know that you were not really participating all the way, or did you? Not really. Yeah, not really. Uh, but I, you know, in retrospect, now I can tell you, I knew. I now know that I was really trying to tell them what they wanted to hear. Okay, it's like whenever I go to an AA meeting and everybody says this, what that one person that says every day everything is great, I know you're lying. Yeah. Because let me tell you, I don't know anybody who every day everything is great. It just isn't. And that was me, right? I go in, everything's good. I got, I got nothing. And and when I'm dying inside, and they knew that, you know, I separated that doctor thing from being from being there too. Is I, I didn't want people coming up to me and asking me medical questions or anything like that. After the first couple of weeks, I just wanted to concentrate on getting better. So I kind of left that behind. I didn't want to be identified as, as a doctor. And, and, uh, and, and I, 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 I became humble pretty quick, pretty quick. The, uh, and I know I'll just tell you some of the pilots that I was in with, they never got that. And, and also, you know, even, like the family sessions, my daughters came down and stuff, and it was just so enlightening for them. And, and, and it, it allowed me to not, to, to realize that I am not going to make the same mistakes my parents did in, in, in me growing up. And, and so the, the, my experience with the, 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 the family side of things and, and with my daughters and, and, um, it was just, I mean, it, all I can say is it was transformative for me. I, um, I, 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 the, the, the great thing about Mar and I think that's probably so is it's such a spiritual program too. And, and also the way, you know, they, they really introduce you into, um, into the AA way of life. I, anyways, went through that and, you know, we did a, uh, kind of a relapse autopsy and I mean, we did, we went through everything and the, the, the insight that those people have is just mind boggling. It's almost supernatural. The, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, just the whole thing. I mean, the whole living, um, situation, you just have to surrender to it. Otherwise, if you don't, it's, you're, you're not going to get you're not going to get anything out of it. Um, but, uh, the, the, I loved my community and they gave me more and more responsibility. They eventually put me in another apartment with, uh, with a couple of guys that were new and that was challenging. But then I started looking at everything as a gift, you know, I mean, cause Will came to me and said, you know, we want to put you in a, cause I had just really about this time got comfortable with my roommates. And he said, you know, and you could say no, but we want to put you in another apartment with a couple of new guys that were coming in. And, uh, and he said, you know, he said, this, this will be your gift. 
and it was hard. But let me tell you, he he was right. It was uh, it, it was a it was a hell of a learning experience for sure. The um, and just you know, I, I think that the way they do everything is just spot on. I mean, you're isolated. There's no cell phone. There's no computer. And I I don't think you personally, I don't think you could do it any other way. And so when I came out of there, which was 90 days later, so that would have been August, September, October, October 10th or 11th. um, I mean, August, September, October. Yeah. I did not want to leave. And my roommates drove me to the airport uh, to to head back to Dallas. And and, uh, I got to tell you, it was one of the most I, I developed, I got a panic attack in the airport. I mean, I just did not want to leave. So, but the, the other important thing is everything was set up by the time I got home from the standpoint that I was plugged back into the programs I needed to be plugged back in with my addiction. They took, they took care of all that. There was a lot of preparation for me to leave and stuff. So when I got back, I was able to transition back. And, you know, thank God I was fortunate that I did have a prior, um, um, community of, uh, of people in recovery. So that helped a tremendous amount too. I, I don't think coming back to not have that kind of support would have been very difficult for me. So, but it was, um, you know, just everybody, I mean, the, 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 uh, the therapists and, you know, the social workers and stuff, they were just all fantastic. And, and my girls will tell you too, they had such a great because they were actually able to, for the first time, sit in front of me and tell me how it's affected them. Yeah. And I got to tell you, even just talking about it right now, kind of makes me want to cry. But they and my relationship with my daughters is just it's so incredible right now. It's so incredible. I mean, I, I had a good relationship before, but they, um, they are, I, I mean, I just can't tell you what it's like. So, so, and they, and they know they can call me on anything as, as far as if they think that, you know, something's not right and they can sense it. So, so it's been, that, that's been tremendous. And then now I'm, I got, I got out of Mar and then, um, I ended up, um, uh, sort of healing that relationship that I had with the woman I was with, who now I'm married to. And we ended up getting back together. That was a pretty slow process, but we ended up getting back together. And then we got married in 2017. Um, so we've been married since then. And since that time, we've been through a lot of stuff and um, uh, the, the, the death of my stepson, her son, and and that was a real rough time. But the, the, what I know is that the, the, I can get through anything as long as I'm recovery is first and foremost for me, for sure. And, and that allows me to get through everything. Mm. So I handle things a lot, a lot different. And now I don't really make decisions so much on my own from the standpoint that when anything, you know, big decisions, when they come down the uh, uh, when 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 I'm faced with a huge decision or a big decision or whatever, I make sure that I run it past the people that um, know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to my wife about it. I talk to my addictionologist, um, my recovery community, and then I always put a pause between what, what is that uh, 
um, between stimulus and response now. Mm. So, I, I mean, the, the, I can't say, I can't say anything about Mar that would be too good. Let me just put it that way. How's it been now that you've found some peace and um, some, you know, some serenity in your recovery? How's it now going back to being a doctor? How do how is it for you? Well, here's a, that, that that's a great question. When I was I try at Mar, what we try to do is identify some of the stuff in my, let's say as far as being a physician. What are some of the triggers for me and uh, um, um, that? Maybe I should try to change. Okay, I mean this is you know my third time in rehab, chronic relapser. Maybe there are some things that need to be done. So what I did was, I have to make a long story short. I I was an intensivist, critical care physician, and that I recognized even before I went into Mar was eating my lunch. It's a young man's sport, and you know I've done thirty five years of it. And I just physically, emotionally, psychologically just can't do it anymore. The, the demand is too much. So, and I'm also uh, a, a, a sleep specialist. So when I got out, I started right away working on that is how can I change my practice such that I can take and try to remove a lot of those stressors. So what I ended up doing was I, 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 I'll tell you, I, I followed up on it. I ended up in order to get out of the hospitals and critical care medicine. After I left Mar, about two years later, I resigned from my group. And because that was the only way I was going to get out of call. And, and that call was killing me, being up all night and then working the next day and just doing that over, having only one out of working every other weekend, just on and on and on. And still, you know, just not really having. Uh, you know, not being able to spend time with my daughters, my wife, things like that. And, and I knew that I needed to change that. So two years later, I resigned from my group. And you know what, what I know now is, is I firmly believe is when a door closes, God opens up another door for me. So I, 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 I really live by that. And also I've gotten to be really good at a day at a time. I mean, not perfect, right? But you know what, today I'll live in the moment and I'll do it. And, and my wife is great about that. I mean, she's just tremendous. Her spirituality is just, she, she's a great fit for me because she also can, she can reel me back in pretty easy. My wife is like someone who's in recovery, but never had an addiction or anything like that. So I aspire to be more like her too. So that's been great for me. So, so the, the, she's, she's just a tremendous person and man, I, so anyways, so I resigned from my group, got out of that and they came back at me and made me a really nice offer to, to just be a paid employee, no call, no hospital. So I just do outpatient pulmonary sleep medicine at this point. So that's made a huge difference. Um, I've also stuck to the plan that uh, um, Mar had sort of helped, the, you know, a, a, um, uh, a plan to, to do every day to help stay in recovery or to stay in recovery. So I do that every day. I, I pretty much do the same thing I did at Mar every day. You know, I hit my knees in the morning, in the evening, I read, I stay involved. I have a, spon a sponsee right now. 
I'm involved in a lot of groups. I serve on a physician's recovery, a, a physician's health and recovery committee for one of the for the medical society around here. I stay very close. Uh, I, I I now actually um, um, head up a caduceus group in the area that's been that's sanctioned by the Tarrant County Medical. I mean by the Texas PHP. So that all that has has. In fact, I'm not sure I answered your question. But what I did is I had a clear plan that I never followed up with when I left the other two treatment centers. I stuck to what I said I was going to do. And I did it. And I'm going to tell you, Matt, resigning from my group after 25 years, that was a hard decision to make. A hard decision to make. But I knew if I didn't do that, I would stay vulnerable to that possible relapse trigger, if you will. You know, it's like you don't hang when you when you're when you get into recovery, you don't hang out with your buddies who are drug users and dealers anymore. Is you know what, I can't hang around in this environment anymore. It's killing me. And 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 so I, I let that and my wife and I, man, we talked about it for a long time and and she was always very supportive and I didn't know I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I had somewhat of a plan B, but it wasn't yet in place, but, but I knew. So that's what I've done is I've made some tough decisions like that. Things that I recognize that will hurt me if I continue and try to shed that kind of stuff. So, cause when I got out of Mar, that's my, my, my addictionologist, psychiatrist, he wouldn't let me go back to work. I was out of work for six, six months. And one time I started talking to him about something that I did that somebody liked a patient. He said, you know what? That's, you, you, that's, you got to get rid of that because here you are. Now you're looking to be validated again through your patients and stuff like that. And that is not what you are going to be doing. So even after I said that, he said, you know what? You're not going back to work. <laughs> you're not going back to work. And he kept me out for a long time. And, and, and he hammered that home and, and Mar did too. And, and now I'm really a lot better about that is I can find, you know, I find, I find ways to feel good about myself, not from the outside, but, but, uh, from the inside. And I feel comfortable in my own skin for the first time in 60 years, probably, or 55 years, whatever. If you had one thing that you could pass on to people that are listening, what would it be? Oh, what would it be? You know what? Here's what I would pass on because I didn't know it. And this changed my life, of course, is there is help for you. And and because uh, um, I know I'm going to tell you, most drug addicts or alcoholics that you talk to, I would say the majority are not happy with what they're doing. Right. But. I, and of course you have to accept the help, but they don't like where they're at. But that, that, that really is, you know, I don't really have much profound to say on that standpoint other than there, there's help there, there is help out there for you. There are people that love you and will, will help you get through it. So, and you can, you can, and you can lead a tremendously productive, happy life in recovery. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for thinking of me. 
That's it for this episode of Stories of Recovery. I'm Matt Shedd. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you next time.